pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and as you all know, if I'm doing the intro, that means Shag is taking the week off. But don't despair, everybody. We have our pal Max Romero back on the show. Hello, Max. Hey, Rob. Very happy to have you back on the show. Uh, we are here to do a part two episode. I'm famous for not doing part twos of the, all the shows <laughs> that I start. Uh, there's, there's lots of part ones littering the uh, the, the Fire and Water Podcast feed. We're actually here to do part two. In this case, we are going to be talking about the great Aquaman and Plastic Man strips from Adventure Comics. Uh, in episode 172, we did the strips from 475 and 476. And this time we're going to be finishing them up from Adventure Comics 477 and 478. And of course, as I said, if we're talking about Plastic Man, we have to have Max on because, of course, Max, you are our preeminent Plastic Man expert. Yikes. That's a, that's a, I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> no, no, no. Wear, 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 the, wear the plastic crown proudly. <laughs> uh, but first, we have to thank our sponsor. Uh, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 40% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Uh, the book I'm going to recommend is a book that I've recommended many times before. It is March Book One. By the great John Lewis, that I've recommended it many times before. You know why I'm asking you to pick it up. It's great. So March, book one. Max, what's your recommendation? I recommend March, book two. Sounds good to me. And while you're getting March, book one and book two, why don't you pick up March, book three as well? They're all there. So these and other deals you can find at InStuckTrades.com, and we thank them for their support. So uh, before we get to the stories in question, we are going to take a little break for some podcast promos. We're changing it up a bit. Uh, so we're going to do some podcast promos. When we get back, we are going to talk about Aquaman and Plastic Man from Adventure Comics number 477. Be right back. <laughs> Hey there, my name's Nathaniel, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Liz. I'm just recording the, the podcast promo. 
You're recording the promo for the Punch Like a Girl podcast? Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. I have more podcast experience. What? You're going to sit there and mansplain to people about a podcast focusing on graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists? Um, oh. Yeah. Can I at least tell them how it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com? No. Shoot. All right, well, hang on. I'll delete this. We'll try again. That's not delete. That's the button for publish. The Fantastic Arse is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that tastes forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we're back, and as promised, we're going to be talking about the strips uh, featuring Aquaman and Plastic Man. And we're starting off with Adventure Comics number 477, which is cover dated November 1980. This story in question is by J.M. Demetrius and Dick Giorgiano, and the story is called The Outrage. Last time, Aquaman, uh, last issue I should say, uh, Aquaman had been forced by a foe Poseidon to attack the citizens of New Venice to protect his finny friends from harm. Of course, this didn't sit well with the citizens, and as of this issue opens, Aquaman is on his way to the mayor's office to explain and to report that his wife Mira is missing. As he walks through the town, he is jeered at by various members of the town and they even throw things at him. At one point while he's entering into the mayor's office, some kid throws a brick, which Aquaman catches with barely a notice, crunches it in hand and reduces it to dust, uh, much to the shock of the little Hitler youth that threw the stuff out. <laughs> so anyway, as Aquaman, as Aquaman tries to talk to the mayor, the mayor yells at him, still mad at Aquaman for not rescuing his brother, gone missing in an early issue, earlier issue of World's Finest, where Aquaman had appeared before this run. The mayor gets in Aquaman's face, and Aquaman almost loses it, but reigns himself in at the last moment. As he walks home, a small girl befriends him, who is the cousin of Cal Durham, a pawn of a scheme by Black Mana, and has now seen the error of his ways, and she leads him to Cal. Cal then takes Aquaman to see an underwater base being constructed, and just as it seems that Black Mana is behind it, they are attacked by a giant octopus. Turns out the octopus is a robot, of course, built by Black Mana. Aquaman and Durham wake up imprisoned by him, and before Durham has a chance to tell Aquaman something important, Mana shoots him with a stun gun, knocking Durham out. He then explains to Aquaman that Mana has been amassing an army made from the rejects of the surface world, promising them a better life in Atlantis. As Mance leaves, he informs Aquaman that some of his missiles he has are aimed at New Venice. Some sort of master plan by Manta? No. Manta is doing it, quote, completely out of spite. Now that's a bad guy. Meanwhile, back in Atlantis, Mira, who had disappeared earlier, has now just as, just as mysteriously reappeared to be continued. So, Max, what did you think of this story? 
I liked it a lot. I, I think, you know, of course, Dick Giordano's work is is uh, is oh, great. Yeah. It's yep. very cinematic. And I especially like the opening splash page where, you know, Aquaman is walking down the street and these people are all throwing, you know, they're all, like you said, they're all jeering at him and, and trying to basically just give him crap. And he looks very stoic and very regal uh, in the way he's carrying himself because mm-hmm. he, he doesn't even look at him. And and I think that's uh, you know it's great characterization through body language and I, and, and uh, you know of course he's he's lost his own in his own thoughts and in the second page when the the kids throw their you know one of them calls him a fillet of fish you know and throws a brick at him and um, this was something I, I liked about the rebooted uh, the most recently rebooted um, Aquaman where he just catches the brick and pulverizes it. Is that you know he, Aquaman is really kind of a golden age Superman in terms of his power set and and that sort of thing, and it's kind of nice to see him display that in a way that is um, kind of almost street level. Mm-hmm. You know he's not he's not lifting something over his head. He's not destroying anything. He's just he's crushing a brick, which does what it's supposed to do, and it shuts the crowd up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love on on the first page you mentioned. You notice who's in the crowd watching all this? Yes. What a jerk. <laughs> Clark Kent is just standing there watching this going on. He's like, what a scoop, you know, for the Daily Planet. <laughs> Meanwhile, Aquaman is ignoring him entirely because it's like he doesn't want to give it away, of course. Uh, yeah, no, that is, a, that is a great moment. I love Aquaman crushing the brick. And it's a Giordano. Uh, the, the story, the pacing is great because it's six panels, you know, and then the last two are just the side. I love the way Aquaman just turns to the kids and just drops the – lets the red dirt just fall out of his hand like, see? And the kids are like, oh, okay, or like that. Like, yeah, that is just it's very street level. And then on page three, when he grabs the mayor's hand, uh, I like how it's colored and that it's it, they're all in blue and the, the background is in yellow and you've got the reporter taking the photo. And you just know that the mayor is within one inch of having his hand crushed like Zod at the end of Superman 2. Like, he's just like that close. Right. You know, I like all that stuff. And then my favorite bit is the whole thing with Manta where Manta reveals sure. his plan and he says – it's just out of spite because I hate you. It's like it's such a simple motivation yeah. for a villain. I don't want to conquer the world. I just hate you. I just hate you, and I just want to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and that's that's a lot of trouble for spite. <laughs> it is. It is a lot of. Oh, black man is a real dick. We know that. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's wonderfully drawn by poor G- dear Giordano. I mean, in the previous episode that we talked about these, Giordano didn't do a whole lot of. Draw, he didn't draw Aquaman very much, other than like in licensing art. So this is this is kind of a rare thing, and he didn't even really do that much penciling and inking, uh, to my knowledge, at least at this point in his career, as he was heading more towards an executive level. So this stuff is just you know wonderfully executed. Aquaman looks regal. Cal Durham looks great. I love all the mm-hmm. Black Mana equipment. Everything looks really cool. I, the, the 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 octopus is is menacing looking. It's just. You know, really wonderfully well done superhero art. You know, it's clean, looks beautiful, and then the, the final panel, of Mira, the final sequence of Mira uh, reappearing is is nicely done. It's just, just, it's you know, it's like he's just, it's like perfect, just perfectly executed superhero art. It really is. It's it's a shame that that uh, Giordano didn't do more Aquaman because it, it is really. If he had, if he had had more of a chance to work with it, I think that would have this would have been. An iconic Aquaman for a lot of readers. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. We talked about. I think we talked about that last time too. That it's it's such a shame that this run is four issues, just so mm-hmm. brief. Before you even really got into it, you get a chance to you know that it was over. So, but yeah, this is. I love he, the way he draws Aquaman. I love the portrait on the last page where he says, "There, what? My God, why?" Like I just, it's, it's such a great profile. Yeah. Uh, the guy had such a command of anatomy. Uh, you know, well, which is so you know, great. and that's a good point because I also like the way he draws Cal, the way he draws Manta. Everyone looks muscular, but not. Overdone, and that that um, that anatomy comes across as as power. You know, you, you can you can see Aquaman's strength. You can see Manta's command of a room. I mean, when the way he just the way Manta stands, you can tell that he's in charge. He hands on hips the whole time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that classic villain stance, uh, but he pulls it off, and it and it looks really really good. Yeah. It's very yeah. It's a really really great story, and it's a great installment. When I was a kid, I remembered the brick thing. That was like such a big mm-hmm. deal to me, and I still love it. So, yeah, it's a really really solid stuff. And we'll, of course, we'll post some of these pages over on the website, which is myWaterPodcast dot com. Now let's move <laughs> on. Let's move on to the fun stuff. Let's talk about Plastic Man. All right, Plastic Man is uh, of course not. It's not titled. I don't. They never titled these things. I don't. In admit, I don't know why. Hmm. But it's another one and done. Martin Pasco did the script. Joe Staten and Bob Smith are responsible for the uh, art and inking. And uh, it opens with Plaz and um, Woozy showing a lot of skin <laughs> on, on the street in uh, Playa del Condo, uh, which I can only assume is in California. It is in California. And um, they're walking down the street. They're apparently they're there for an assignment from the NBI when they hear a cry for help. And it is um, a man with a very big blonde afro and lots of chains and a big mustache. <laughs> and he turns out to be Cash Quickly, a concert promoter. And someone has kidnapped Surefoot the Skateboarding Chimpanzee, which is his next big uh, show. So uh, Plastic Man goes into action and catches up with a roller skating chimpnapper who manages to get away from Plaz by using uh, razor-toed skates and spring-loaded uh, knee pads and a quick-drying plastic putty belt. Plaz thinks she looks kind of familiar, and so, of course, they go to wherever you would normally do research, the local record store. <laughs> and uh, he realizes that she uh, is used to be a, a punk singer called Harriet Hobnail, whose real name is Roxanne Roller, because apparently Harriet Hobnail was <laughs> sounded too made up, and tra- traces her to a local disco roller dance contest and while there we go back to the roof where roxanne is there with um, surefoot and reveals her plan to put dynamite in the rotating disco ball to uh enact her plan of revenge she's she's after three men uh but plaz doesn't know who, who those men are yet and uh we're introduced to the judges and plaz knows it notices that the disco ball has stopped spinning he checks it out he also notices that it's ticking and quickly puts Woozy into action to evacuate the club. Uh, but the real here, hero here is um, one of the judges, Rod Sewage, <laughs> in, a, in an homage we'll get to in a second, who starts singing and skateboarding out the, out the doors, and everyone follows him out. Uh, so Plaz gets rid of the disco ball, manages to blow it up near Roxanne Roller, whose plan is, is ruined. And at this point, Plaz has figured out that the men she's after are her ex-boyfriends, who also happen to be the judges at that disco 
roller dance contest. Uh, she tries to make her getaway, but Plaz steals her quick-drying plastic cement belt, manages to catch her. Woozy's still trying to catch the monkey, and Plaz catches Roxanne before she can fall off a roof, and Woozy captures the chimpanzee with by plying him with banana daiquiris. And uh, it ends with uh, Plaz saying that if she's found guilty, uh, Roxanne Roller will have to listen to a continuous tape loop of Village People Records for 24 hours a day. <laughs> and that is the end. That's an extraordinarily silly story. It is, yeah. It <laughs> it it uh, it never lets go. <laughs> it, it kind of it starts with a, a silly thing and commits to it and sees it all the way through. The only thing that bothers me is that we never find out why they're in Condoga Playa in the first place. Hmm. This is this is this is not why they were sent there. I assume. Ah, oh, you're right. I didn't think about that. I guess they're on vacation, maybe. I don't know. I thought it says they're on assignment, but I guess that. Oh, that's <laughs> I guess true. They blew yeah, it all. I don't know. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I I love the opening page because it reminds me. I mean, all of Staten's stuff during this run reminds me of kind of Wallywood Mad Magazine cramming mm-hmm. gags uh, into every inch of the page, but this opening splash is really Mad Magazine. I mean, you've got the dog on the roller skates and there's the, the muscle guy lifting weights mm-hmm. and you've got the girl in the left-hand corner, which I, we can imagine what Shag would say about her. And there's <laughs> the guy on the, the sky, the uh, guy on the, the flying the kite in the background. Like there's 40 million little figures with all mm-hmm. these gags. There's a bird with sunglasses on. Like it's all just and roller skates and yeah. roller skates. It's all just silliness. And of course, plastic man does not earn not even a nod from anybody because you know the idea that everybody here is weird um right. i i really enjoyed boozy's um saturday night fever outfit <laughs> yeah it's weird this one seems not to again i'm taking these too seriously but like most of these stories from what i remember were kind of set in a, like a noir world right uh, the next one certainly kind of is and this one is not this one martin pascal was is putting plastic man smack dab in 1979 1980 right. america yeah yeah this is he's definitely um tapping every trend that was probably going on at the time you know the the skateboarding and the roller skating and disco and and um even the fashions the the um obsession not as well the the whole fitness weightlifting sort of thing i mean all that was going on at the same time and and pascal managed to cram all of it into this one story what do you think of it did you did you like this one i do like this one <laughs> it's and i like it more than the story we'll be talking about next but the um it is very silly and and you know i've, I've mentioned before that I'm, I'm not a fan necessarily of of silly plastic man stories that are silly just for the sake of being silly. But again, this one really works because, you know, as I've said before, plastic man is the least crazy thing in this story. And that for me really works when, when Plaz is the straight man compared to everything around him. And the, the plot is, is pretty ridiculous. I don't know why this lady would basically become a super criminal just to blow up three ex-boyfriends but but it works and it's actually a character i wouldn't mind seeing again in some way even though i do not know how you would make that work now but um you know it's it's a great story and it has a lot of a lot of those little pasco um, uh elements that that kind of bring it together and like i really like how uh cash quickly the the promoter uh keeps saying i mean that sincerely 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which, which of course means you know he doesn't mean anything sincerely, but it's a nice little bit of characterization for what is really a, a throwaway character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't see him again. No, no, we never see him again. And of course, uh, Staten is doing great things with the uh, the shape shifting for oh, Plaz. Yeah, I, I never get tired er- of looking at that. No, almost every panel has something different going on, and it looks it looks great. It looks wonderful. Yeah, I think and my, Roxanne I think, Roller looks great. You know, right, I mean she, yeah. that. You know, Shag. We, you know, again, we know what Shag would say about yeah. Roxanne Roller, <laughs> and you know, and it's it's um, what I like too is the plotting for as silly as, as it is, the plotting makes sense. You know, no, nothing is necessarily strangely enough. There's no there's no Deus Ex Machina here. You know, one one thing leads to another in in a way that makes sense. It, it's it's um, it's a pretty solid story. Yeah, I do, and I also like all the little digs that Martin Pascoe gets in on sort of the the Hollywood culture mm-hmm. that he's throwing in. I mean, not only, maybe not even just Hollywood, but like maybe Los Angeles culture. Cause I'm thinking he was maybe out there at that point, or at least he had spent some time there. Certainly like the guy in the record store, he has a t-shirt that says, I'm my own best friend. <laughs> he says that like, you know, and then there's a, when there's the crowd waiting outside the, the, the outside the night, the nightclub, there's all the random balloons of dialogue and mm-hmm. it's totally radical mellow out. Get into your own space. And then there's 2.5 million up front and points. <laughs> like somebody's making a Hollywood day. I like all that stuff. It's very cynical and very, you know, smart ASC about Hollywood. So, I, I, you know, Pascal, again, is clearly enjoying himself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, and it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And it's, and it's, this is probably one of the more, I don't know how this would sit with younger readers who might not recognize everything that he's that he's uh touching on mm. I, I think it still works personally i mean i don't think you need to necessarily know that the, the three boyfriends are rod stewart barry manilow and i do not know who the who the second man is do you know who rupert hoax is supposed to be mm, no i don't i no i can't think of who that's really supposed to be a parody of exactly yeah let's see mm. i couldn't figure it out but you know, but it it all works. And like you mentioned, the the Saturday Night Fever suit that Woozy is wearing, and you know, it's I, I like that that Roxanne Roller for being bargain basement dazzler sort of. <laughs> She's, wow! Imagine the imp- <laughs> let, let, let's just pause for a minute and think about what you just said, Max. <laughs> No offense to Dazzler fans, but no offense to Dazzler fans. Whoa. <laughs> And you know, but she uh, she's a competent villain. You know, she she manages to, to hold Plaz off for a little while, and you know, she gets that close. She almost does it, but it's it's. I think it's a great a great story. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I just figured it out. Who Rupert Hoax is? Oh, it who just is dawned it? to me. He's uh, Rupert Holmes from the Pina Colada song. Oh, because they're talking about okay. the Harvey Wallbanger song, and, he's like, and of course, for you younger fans out there, you, you don't know what that song is. It's on the soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy. So you can enjoy yes. it there. That's uh, what it is. That was see. a big hit at the time. There you go. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. see, well, that makes sense. Uh, oh, you, Elliot, Martin Pascal, you, you makes you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 fun stuff. Um, okay, well, we want to move on to uh, Aquaman in uh, Adventure Comics number four seventy eight, which is cover dated December nineteen eighty. This cover's a little different in that uh, Aquaman gets the. You know, he gets basically the whole cover to himself. At the top, we have a little headshots of Starman and Plastic Man. But this this adventure, this cover by Giordano is Aquaman, and he's facing two different uh, missiles. He's two different problems. He's got missiles, 
about the Hindu Venice versus Black Mana attacking. He's got a real Superman the movie problem going on here, and he doesn't know which <laughs> which, which crisis to handle uh, next. So anyway, uh, this story is titled Grand Illusion, again by Jam Jam Demetrius. The artists are Dick Giordano and Steve Mitchell doing the inking this time. As Black Manta prepares to attack Atlantis with his newly formed army, Aquaman and Cal Durham are trapped in an electrified cage. Aquaman quickly summons a whale to break them out, and Aquaman leaves Cal to chase after Manta. Cal is trying to tell Aquaman something yet again, but he is just too weak to get it out in time. First, he heads for the, Aquaman heads for the missiles fired at New Venice, and then commands a school of porpoises, porpoise eye, I don't know what you, say, I don't know what you call them, <laughs> to use sound waves to throw off the missile's trajectory so they explode away from the city. We then cut back to Mira, who has reappeared last issue. As she comes to, a silhouetted figure enters her room. Meanwhile, Volko prepares to send his troops out to confront Manta. But Aquaman arrives, and he surprises everyone, not by fighting Manta, but in fact he swims right past him. Everybody gets right in there like, it's Aquaman! And they get ready, Manta grabs his spear gun, and Aquaman just shoots right past him. Which I love, in an entirely silent scene, which is really cool. Uh, anyway, Manta assumes Aquaman is too chicken to fight. Yeah, right. Instead, he makes an offer to Manta's army of angry outcasts that they are all welcome in Atlantis and there is no need for violence. Manta's gang drops their weapons, infuriating him, of course. Just as Aquaman turns to face him, he sees Manta trapped in a hard water bubble, courtesy of Mera. Turns out it was Cal who found Mera and told her the thing Aquaman was too busy to listen to, that the man he's been battling is not Black Manta, but is in fact an imposter. Just as Cal starts to explain more, the faux Manta explodes. And then it says the story is to be continued in Action Comics number 517. And that is where this particular Aquaman feature in Adventure Comics ends, unfortunately. Uh, I dig this one a lot because it's, it's just a nice action-packed wrap-up to something we didn't know was wrapping up. What did you think of it? Uh, I feel the same way. It, it was uh, a lot of action. Looks great. Um, I like the the double danger, <laughs> the double jeopardy that's going on, and I like the way that that I, I really really like the way Aquaman solves the problem. It's you know it's you know first he he basically uses the purposes to to um, throw the the missiles off track, and so they they explode harmlessly, sort of harmlessly into the water, but I. What I really, really like is the the way he handles the the invasion part of the of the adventure is where he he basically says, "Look, I know you guys come from from hard backgrounds, and you know because I think he, in, in the previous story, he, Manta mentions how they're all winos and drug addicts and <laughs> homeless men that he basically scraped off the off the street, and and Aquaman solves this problem by saying, "Look, you can have a home here, and and that's all he wanted." And mm-hmm. and so they they throw their guns down and 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 accept that and I I think that's a, a really elegant solution to to it and and a and a great way to show another aspect of of Aquaman's character. Yes, I completely agree with that. I love it. You know, he's he's tired of these fights. Of course, I mean with Manta. I mean, although he's got another like thirty years of them to come. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of out about flanking Manta. I mean, Manta is taking these guys, and we meet one of them. We met one of them. I didn't mention it, but we met one of them in the previous issue, and uh, he's kind of mocking of Aquaman. But yeah, I like that Aquaman. You know, uses the, doesn't use force. Uh, I always appreciate that. That was always one of the. I mean, he does when he has to because he's a superhero. But I, I like that he doesn't always resort to that, and it's it's one of the things I like. Uh, I always liked about the character. Art wise, again, it's terrific. Uh, Steve Mitchell brings a kind of a grittier 
uh, scratchier line work to Giordano. Um, I really like on page three the shot of Aquaman. This fight's all mine, and he's swimming off. Like that's what really cool. it's a little looser than Giordano, so your right. mileage may vary. But I like it. I think I probably prefer Giordano and Giordano, but but I think this looks nice here. Yeah, I I, I think so too. I I think it. Um, like you mentioned, you can you can see the difference, but it still works. I think it still works very well, and especially with the the action that's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, there's when the when the missiles explode in the water, they they rattle Mira, who's who is still recovering at home. And, you know, it makes it, it it's it's good because it's basically she's like she's in an underwater earthquake, basically. And, mm-hmm. and you can see things falling down and, you know, you expect a little a little chaos in, in those sort of things. And, and I think that line work, um, the inking, it does does a good job of, of expressing that. I love Mira's face at the bottom of page four where she's mm-hmm. like gasping. That is Giordano channeling his old Romex comics days. You know, yeah. this kind of like, you know, you could just, that's, that's right out of the kind of stuff he used to do in the 50s. And I mean, he was a master at drawing beautiful women, but I love that face. That's just right out of a gothic romance comic. It, it, it really terrific. is. Yeah. It really is. That looks like the cover of a of a romance comic for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's great stuff. Like I said, I like. I, I mentioned I like how Aquaman swims past Mana in the whole wordless sequence. You know, I think that's really terrific. You know, for for a strip that only had, I mean, this all four issues really only account for thirty two pages of story. Uh, there's a lot in here, but but Demetrius gave Giordano some nice room to just do some storytelling. You know, like some. Silent scenes, you know, he didn't cram every every uh, panel in with uh, dialogue, which would probably be hard to do when you only have eight pages. Right. But I liked that it gave Giordano that space. I think that's really cool. So yeah. yeah. And you know, and I just noticed on on page seven when Aquaman is is telling Manta's men that they that they're welcome there. I just I I had never noticed that before. I just noticed that everyone standing behind. Aquaman, Volko, and the and the Atlantean soldiers and all that—they're they're standing there with their hands open, mm-hmm. with their hands out and open, no no weaponry or anything. And that's I had never noticed that before. That's that's a really cool background. Yeah, nice little detail. That's really yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I said it's terrific. These these four stories are—I've gone on and on about them. I I talk about on the shrine a bunch, and I was lucky enough to interview. Uh, Jam uh, for about these stories. He's only written a handful of Aquaman stories, but I, I still say these are these four in particular are some of the best Aquaman ever done. And I think part of the reason that it's, it's so bittersweet is that it just it was over so quickly. You know, it was just like, wow, this is terrific. And, oh, oh, it's oh, oh, it's over. Okay, all right. Uh, and then they moved right on to Action Comics, where Don Heck took over the strip. And we actually, Shag and I actually covered those in a previous episode of, of uh, the show. And those are, even though Jam Demetrius is still writing them, they're to me, they're not quite as good because I think he's, I think he uh, turned over the, uh, the scripting to Len Wein at one point. He only did the plots mm-hmm. and, you know, no offense to Don Heck, but he ain't Dick Giordano in my, right. in, you know, or at least on this kind of superhero strip. Let me, let me be more specific. Don Heck did a lot of great work over his career. I don't think superheroes are Aquaman, especially Aquaman was his forte. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the, these four, these are the four that I really like to reread and reread. Cause I just think, even though this story goes by so fast, it's, you know, I think it just works really, really well. It's just a really, really nice story. Yeah, yeah it's good for sure. Stuff. Well, all right, that is it. Unfortunately, these four stories, as far as I know, also have not been ever collected anywhere. Uh, even though 
there's been showcase volumes and archives and all sorts of stuff. The DC's never reprinted them at any point. So if you want them, you'll have to go find the original issues. Luckily, they are not expensive to find on eBay. And I would say if you're an Aquaman fan, and I assume you are, otherwise you're listening to this show, uh, except for all the people that are coming here just for Plastic Man coverage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mentioned to you, Matt. Remember I told you the last episode was one of our highest-rated shows? So there's some Plastic oh, okay. out there, man. So I'm assuming we've got lots of new fans that are here just for Plastic Man. So let's oh, give yeah. them what they want. Let's move on to the to the final Plastic Man story here. All right. And you are right when you say final Plastic Man story. Um <laughs> This is, uh, again, untitled, and it is written by Martin Pasco, uh, same art team of Joe Staten and Bob Smith, uh, and the rest of the staff is the same, except for the letterer is John Costanza on this on this uh, particular story. And it says he is overworked, by the way. John the, the, Costanza, oh, yeah, that's right. overworked. The, editor, the overworked letterer. Um, the story opens with uh, Plastic Man in his office doing a lot of paperwork apparently because his arms are stretched all over the place and he's typing with his feet and woozy bursts in with a hot tip apparently he's been a waiter at the um old gumshoe sanitarium um and while he was there which is basically an uh, arrest home for uh private detectives who as he says don't have all the buttons on their trench coats no more and uh while there he heard a bet between uh sam spud and we're we're back to the to the uh, Dick Tracy <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of imagery. Um, Sam Spud and a trio of people who look uh, suspiciously familiar if you've ever seen a Marx Brothers movie, and they make a bet that the um, trio, who used to be uh, criminals before they became private detectives, uh, don't have it anymore, and that uh, Sam Spud could uh, come up with a plan to steal two art pieces out of a museum. And, but they wouldn't be able to do it because they just basically don't have the talent anymore. So Plaz hurries over to the museum where uh, the not Marx Brothers are already breaking mm-hmm. in. <laughs> and what basically goes on from there is is a scene out of a Marx Brothers movie. It's a lot of slapstick. They The Marx Brothers uh, manage to get their hands on the, um, on the artwork. And Plastic Man chases them around the, uh, the grounds. Uh, first, he chases after... Uh, Lucky, who is our Harpo stand-in, manages to catch him, but he gets hit with a sledgehammer for his for his trouble, almost bombed, and then apparently stabbed with an arrow. Uh, meanwhile, Woozy is sneaking around dressed as a uh, security guard, uh, but manages to... Woozy gives away his cover, and um, there are other two Marx Brothers basically start giving him a hassle, put him in a butterfly net, and... Um, we go back to Plaz, who it turns out was just narrowly missed getting uh, hit by an arrow. And then uh, as the trio tries to get to back together, Lucky is tr- is playing charades to let, uh, I believe his name is Farnsworth, the Groucho stand-in. They start doing charades so he can tell them that Plastic Man is underneath them disguised as a fountain. <laughs> and he splashes them both out of commission. Uh, they manage to capture the, the Chico character on his on his way out and the plastic man is disguised as a as a statuette as he runs past him and that is basically the end of the story they they find out that they're not going to go to prison they're just going to go back to the to the rest home uh along with sam spud and uh it ends with a gag about a duck and and that is the end of the story it's very straightforward um and they let us know that uh, that Plaza and Uzi will be back in Super Friends number 42 against a character named Chatterbox. And Uzi gives us a that's all, folks, 
and that's the closing of the story. Yeah, that's the and that's the. This was the final issue of these three features mm-hmm. uh, in Adventure Comics because they all got kicked out for Dial H for Hero. Uh, unfortunately, I used to. I bought Super Friends every month anyway, but I was really thrilled when they added the Plastic Man feature. I was like, wow, this is everything I like in one book. This is because <laughs> Super Friends and Plastic Man couldn't beat right. Aquaman and Plastic Man yet again. Uh, I really like this one because I, I, I like the Plastic Man and the Noir setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't noir exactly, but it's it's got some of that. It's some of it takes place at night, and you've got these detectives. Uh, I'm absolutely in love with panel three on page two, at the uh, the the very the with the very important patients thing, and you see everybody in the background, and there are cameos with, by Dick Tracy and the Spirit. Uh, I think that is just fantastic. Yeah. I, I love you, Joe Staten. <laughs> it's, it's great. No, I like I like all the stuff at nighttime. The 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 panel of Plastic Man with the arrow stuck in his chest, mm-hmm. like or in his stomach. Like I love how moody that looks. Like right. it's all done in it, like Plastic Man's in the silhouette. Like, I think that's really terrific. And all the other gags about the forties of the Maltese chicken and all these other things. I I think this one's it, again very very silly. But if, uh, if you like the Marx Brothers, and I do, uh, I think this is a terrific story. Yeah. Um, as I said, I, it's, I like the previous story a little more than this one just because there's, there's less story here for, for my taste. But as a, as, it almost works as a long gag strip. Um, but on, on, that, on that level, it works great. I, I, you know, it's, um, and what, what, what really is sad to me about, about um, – this ending here. I mean, and they, they continued it later on, as you said, in Super Friends. But Staten, I think, was really getting a handle on Plastic Man at this point. And, I mean, he had, he had already had a handle on him before, but I, the, there's a self-assuredness in, in his work at this point that um, is really just so much fun to see. And he gives Plastic Man so much, uh, so much personality beyond just the, the silly stretching guy. That I, I, you know, I really wish this could have been a longer run. Yep, this was a I, the Starman feature didn't do a whole lot for me, but man, I love these these Aquaman and Plastic Man things. I just mm-hmm. they were terrific. Yeah, yeah. and and kind of a nice change up. You know what I mean? Like three very diverse strips. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, obviously, Martin Pascoe is having a, a a lot of fun. You know, working with the the Marx Brothers, <laughs> you know, kind of gags and and characters, and you know, and that's a lot of fun to see too. So it's you know, it, it's it's uh, it's a nice way for it to to wrap itself up in in adventure comics. But again, like I said, I wish it could have been a little longer. Um, but I do like that. I, one one thing that I always kind of wish for Plastic Man is that he had a real nemesis. Um, I, you know, I, a lot of people will point to Dr. Dome from, from, uh, from the a previous run, but I, I don't really care for Dr. Dome that much. <laughs> and, um, but I do, I do like that in these stories, Plastic Man is dealing with, um, weird characters, but for the most part, like, again, you know, street level crime driven uh, characters, you know, these, none of these characters are necessarily out to to conquer the world or do anything like that. You know, they're they're spies or they're criminals or they're they're people with with very small selfish motivations. And I, I you know, again with with Plastic Man's background as a former criminal, you know, that makes perfect sense. He, he, it makes sense for him to be a crime buster. Oh yeah, no no giant blue beam that's going to blow up the earth in these right. stories. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I like that the 
<laughs> where where Lucky gets the the arrow from. I don't know if you noticed that it's it's uh, a sheep in a suit called Steve Mutton. I I saw that. <laughs> I didn't get it. I don't know what that. Oh, it's Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Oh, duh. It's Steve Martin with oh, the arrow through his head. Of course, of course. Oh, jeez. I can't believe I didn't get that on the first. <laughs> I'm a little slow. Okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, geez. You know, it's sort of funny to think about too. That like. Pascal was referencing the Marx Brothers, and it's like you know he had he assumed that kids reading comics in 1980 were even familiar with the Marx Brothers, right? You know, I mean, this is pre home, this is pre VHS. You know what I mean? So it's like you did kids necessarily know what the Marx, Marx Brothers was? I mean, Groucho had just died a couple of years earlier, mm-hmm. and I think one of the Marx Brothers was even still around at that point, but I mean, they were out of the public consciousness in terms of their films, but I think it's kind of cute that he was assuming that kids would know, you know, who they were, because I think like, I think if you asked the average like 20, even 20 year old they wouldn't know who the Marx Brothers are at this point like the Marx Brothers okay. haven't really kind of stayed with the culture a little bit, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be insulting, I love them Mar- especially right. Groucho, but they just aren't, you don't see them being referenced a lot uh, the way you do some other older things. So it would be interesting if you did that nowadays, how much you would have to explain these personas, you know, the right. minestrone and the silent guy. And But here it was just, you know, you just Pascal's just assuming you know what it is. And, of course, it fits state perfectly because he loves all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. I, you know, it's a, that's an interesting question because I know that when I grew up, it was at a time when uh, we had cable, but it was like the regular channels and one LA channel. <laughs> you know, that was that was all of cable at the time. It was you know eight channels, I think. And one thing that I that I grew up watching a lot of these movies just because on Saturdays or you know on the weekend they would show a lot of these older movies. I guess just because the licensing was easier. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe he kind of figured that these movies were still in circulation somewhere. Oh, probably, right. yeah. I mean, I grew up knowing about the, the, the I mean, Costello and Laurel mm-hmm. and Hardy because they played on TV. That's how I knew right. them. So yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. I like this one. I think this is a good one to go out on. If we have to go out, this is a good one to go on. I think it's a lot of fun. Have you? Do you know? Have any of these were these stories collected anywhere? Are there a lot? Are are there a lot of like later day Plastic Man collections? I know there are the archive editions. As as far as I know, there aren't any. Wow. Which, is, which is a shame. Uh, oh, there are man. the archive editions, but those stopped, gosh, I want to say five volumes in, maybe. I would have to check to be sure. But I, I you know, I, I think those stopped. You know, they, they didn't continue. I think it was maybe four or five volumes, maybe more, something like that. But as far as I know. And there's the Kyle Baker collection. The, and the Kyle yeah. Baker collection. But everything in between. As far as I know, has never been collected. Jeez. Oh, what a shame. These would be great. You get these and the ones they did in the back of Super Friends. Right. That would be a great little book. Right. You know, yeah, and the the Ramona Freighton run. Oh, yeah. yeah. uh, You know, the the, the, uh, 60s run. You know, none of that stuff has, as as far as I know, as I said, has never been collected. Huh. You got to get a Plastic Man movie in production or something. You know, you know, that would be, you know, or even an animated, you know, something, you know, Mask of the Phantasm style. <laughs> you there know, you go. I think they could do it. Maybe they, maybe somebody needs to start a podcast about play. <laughs> just, just to start interest. I don't, I'm just sure. I'm just throwing ideas out there, Max. Don't it, it, it might, it might be in the works. I, okay. I've, I've heard rumors that uh, something like that rumors. might be in the works. Know. I, I know that you have a great name for it, and there's. This, 
<laughs> really, really handsome guy suggested a really good name, but uh, just, I just hear things on the internet. You know, many people, many people are saying, you know, it's the phrase of the day. So, uh, uh, yeah. So I think that is going to wrap it up for these uh, sets of adventures. I'm so happy with myself that we finally did a part two to this. I know when we talked about it that I, I wanted to get back to it, but sometimes I don't do that. So I'm glad uh, we got a chance to do it because these are really fun stories. They're totally worth tracking down, especially if you can get them cheap. So, uh, Max, thank you so much for coming back to the show, man. I always enjoy talking to you, and I love Plastic Man, so it's, it was great talking about these two characters. Oh, well, thanks for having me on, Rob. And, you know, I'll, I will talk Plastic Man all day, and it's, it's uh, of course, it's always nice to talk to, to someone who who can appreciate Plastic Man as much as I do. Yeah, I love I love, I love the card. Ba- Baby Plaz, not a big fan of, but the rest of it, it's all good. So, <laughs> Did you uh, notice there's, there's an ad for that in this issue? In this, yes, uh, there is. Issue. Yeah, that's right. TV star Plastic Man. I'm, sur- I'm really surprised on the cover it doesn't say as seen on tv because they like they loved slash putting those blurbs on marvel loved putting that on every hulk thing that they ever did as seen on tv you would think they right. would you know talk about that hey plastic man's on got his own cartoon show for pete's sake it's kind of a big deal yeah. so uh where can people find you on the internet uh they can find me at it's plasticman.wordpress.com uh, they can also find me on Twitter at the at It's Plastic Man, and I can be found at GreatCaesarsPost.com and anywhere on social media with Maxo Romero. Just do a search for that, and you'll I'll pop up. All right, very cool. So, of course, you can find this show over on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. There you'll find all our great shows, and we're seemingly adding new ones every day. <laughs> and you can find uh, also follow us on Twitter at uh, FW Podcast. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Max, thanks so much for coming back. I really enjoyed this, and we'll love to find some other Plastic Man stories to talk about, at least until somebody starts that podcast. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. And Recycle the plastic. Plastic man. Plastic man. Plastic man. He's a real good guy in a bright red suit. And he always wears goggles and a belt that's a beaut. He was a crook, but he reformed and then he reformed and reformed and reformed again. Plastic Man Plastic Man Plastic Man He can stretch his neck Treetop high And stretch his arms Till they touch the sky And stretch his legs Till he's so tall He could bounce the moon Like a basketball Plastic Man Plastic Man The one, the original Elastic Man Always in great shape For the shape he's in The Fantastic Plastic Man Beyond compare 
no one else like him, yeah, anywhere. And he's one guy the villains just can't catch. You can count on. 